Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of People's Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. I've got another copper soup for you this week, and the episode is called Noticing and the Happy Robots. I spend more and more time in my professional, and for that matter my personal life, talking about noticing, so I thought it was high time that I shared some thoughts with you. Here's a quick example about noticing. This week I've had lots of stuff going on in different organisations. On Wednesday I had a mixture of a meeting in the Treasury, then up to uni for another meeting and then a coaching session. I needed to take stuff for each part of the day. As I was leaving the flat I wanted to check my bag, so I went over, unzipped my rucksack and looked inside, then zipped it back up. As I then put it on my back I realised I hadn't actually checked anything. When I was looking inside the rucksack, my mind had been elsewhere. In fact, it was way ahead of me at some of the meetings I was due to have that day. It wasn't looking in the bag to check that I had the belongings I needed. So this this is an example of when it would be more useful for me to be actually noticing what was actually in my bag. And that particular example isn't a rare occurrence for me. It's something I do with alarming frequency. Today I'm joined in the People Soup studio by Basil and Fiona, And also Manel's here as well, so you may hear a little bit of background noise. And just to be clear, when I say the People Soup studio, I actually mean my desk in our fairly open plan flat. So hence you may hear some background noise. Studio is a slightly grand word for the space I've actually got. But yes, you might particularly hear some whippets wandering around the flat that have been a bit restless today. This episode builds on several previous episodes, including our very first episode, Season 1, Episode 1, Autopilot and the Wandering Mind. I'll give a shout-out to the other episodes in the show notes for this one. So let's kick off with some reviews. Last week's episode was called, What Are You Two Clucking About? Rose on Twitter said, Hi Ross, a very interesting episode with lots to think about. Positive discrimination towards women is tricky, isn't it? Gender equality needed, but does this approach actually change society's understanding of the issue or just change the numbers? Absolutely agree. I think Rose has hit the nail on the head. I think that this gender inequality is ingrained and has been for many, many, many years in all parts of society and our culture. So it's something that's very difficult to crack, particularly in organisations, and it shouldn't just be a numbers game. Fiona said, um, a great discussion on cultivating psychological flexibility, courage and perspective taking in addressing micro behaviours at work. How can we help people feel more included and respected? Can we call out any concerning exclusionary behaviours? And I love that from Fiona. She's basically encapsulated the episode far more succinctly than I ever have. So I'm really grateful for that. In other news... The winners of the values cards from the episode with Johnny Lyne, that's season two, episode two, have been drawn. And the cards have been sent to James McGarry in Ireland and Kim Kersey uh, up in Surrey. And I'm working on the best way to get the cards to the other lucky winner, Nancy Horan, who's in California. In wider news, I'm excited to let you all know I've been asked to speak at two conferences in March next year about the work we're doing on act in the workplace than the intervention we've developed and I'll share more news as it's available and I'll also be attending a hearing of the mindfulness all-party parliamentary group in October 
And the subject is mindfulness in defence, policing and emergency services. So I'm really excited to be going to that. And it's also connected with the fantastic work by one of my outstanding colleagues at City University of London, Dr. Yuta Tobias Mortlock. So looking forward to seeing Yuta there. So why am I so interested in the skill of noticing? Noticing is for a particular purpose in ACT. We're interested in noticing our behaviour and also noticing our inner world. So let's look at noticing our behaviour first. I'd suggest we don't always notice how we're showing up in the world. If we can develop the skill of noticing our behaviour, we have a chance of recognising how we're showing up in the world. Are we moving towards who we want to be? Or are we moving away from how we'd like to show up? Let's be clear. There'll always be times when we're moving away. We're all human and experiencing the same condition. But by developing the skill of noticing, we can notice how we're showing up and either make a choice to continue or adjust our behavioural path. In ACT, we do this by reflecting on what's important to us in different contexts in life. What we're trying to achieve is the possibility of moving towards who we'd like to be more often. Now, Interestingly, someone asked me in an introductory workshop to the Act Matrix this week if I was trying to create a workforce full of happy robots. And this was such a great question. Actually, when, I, when that question was fielded, I could actually notice I felt a bit defensive and felt a bit, ooh, reactionary towards it. But what I did was I emphasised how this behavioural approach, for me, really respects that human condition at work. It's by no means providing the tools to create happy robots. In fact, it's a way to help us move towards, well, firstly, identify what's important and then move towards what's important more often and relate to unhelpful content in a different, hopefully more skillful way. So for me, it's the absolute opposite of being a, a happy robot. And I'll come back to this at the end. So that's covered noticing our behavior in the real world. What about noticing our inner world? What's going on between our ears? What content is our mind generating that might influence our behaviour? When I talk about the content that our minds generate, I mean things like our thoughts, emotions, memories, sensations and urges. Sometimes this content is not too helpful for us. For example, sometimes in the workplace I experience thoughts like, I'm not clever enough. It won't work. And sometimes I can feel frustrated or angry too. If this content of my mind was influencing my behaviour in the real world, I could typically be seen to be avoiding some stuff, perhaps putting a dampener on ideas and creativity, and probably being a bit grumpy or snappy. I can also sometimes get so tangled up in this content that I'm barely showing up in the world of work. Now, this isn't who I want to be, but without that skill of noticing I might not be aware of how I'm showing up in the real world, or of the content that my mind is producing. So using this behavioural science is not about turning us into happy robots. It's about recognising the individual. What and who is important to us as individuals? And then using this as a guide to taking action to move towards what's important. Knowing that, as a human, we'll also show up in the world in ways that take us away from who we want to be. By being aware of the content of our minds, it can help us notice how that content might be influencing our behaviours can help us accept that and then work out how we'd like to show up. This, dear P Supers, is why I unashamedly bang on about noticing a lot. Now we can enhance our noticing skills by practicing mindfulness. And in this episode, I'd like to draw upon some other ways to practice. 
The first one we actually used at a workshop a couple of weeks ago, and it's called 54321. And it seemed to resonate quite uh, strongly with some of the participants. So I thought I'd share it with you here. There are five steps, surprisingly enough. So five is acknowledging or noticing five things you see around you. Maybe it's a bird outside the window. Maybe it's a funny-shaped cloud. Maybe a pencil on the desk. Or maybe it's an irregular mark on the ceiling or the wall. However big or small, just notice five things you can see. Four is noticing four things you can touch around you. Maybe this is your hair, your hands, the fabric of your clothing, the ground. Whatever it might be, just notice four things you can feel. Three is acknowledging or noticing three things you can hear. Maybe a clock, maybe the sound of some air conditioning, maybe traffic noises outside or your tummy rumbling. What's audible in the moment is what you notice. Then two, acknowledge two things you can smell. Maybe there's a smell, if you're in an office, of some food or some coffee. Maybe there's some smell of cleaning product. You can always move around a bit if you can't smell anything. Whatever it takes, just see if you can notice two things to smell around you. And then one, acknowledge one thing you can taste. Maybe what does the inside of your mouth taste like? Is it, is it gum? Is it coffee? Or is it a sandwich from lunch? Take, just take in what you can taste. And these five steps using our five senses are a great way to ground ourselves in the now, in the present moment. They can take us out of our heads and help stop our flooded thoughts or all that mind chatter. Then some of my own research. Here I explored the experience of organisational politics in the senior civil service with reference to psychological flexibility. So part of my questioning or the the interviews I conducted was about noticing. Now, a senior civil servant is someone who typically manages quite a large team, will be advising ministers on a very regular, possibly daily basis, and has quite a large policy portfolio to deliver. Uh, So they need to shift their attention in a skillful way during the day. And what I found was that there's a wealth of evidence in the data, which was clustered around a a theme I called compartmentalize. Many participants adopted a process of breaking routine or resetting between events in the day. This could be going out to stand on a stairwell. It could be making a cup of coffee. And many considered a loo break to be an integral part of their SCS toolkit. It just allowed them to change scenery, and just reset their batteries was how one person described it. Some called upon others for help in getting into that space that we need to be in. And finally, most participants planned their cognitive resources for the day or week, recognising the physical and psychological demands of each event. One person acknowledged that during a busy day it was not uncommon to get dragged down into the tactical space. And he found that an ability to flex his attention and recognise the resources available in his environment allowed him to reflect on where he could add most value and move back into the strategic space. Another chap thought that by adopting a curious attitude, he said he could see stuff going on and make links across them. Then he could start seeing patterns, opportunities and risks. All these things are ways of bringing attention to the workplace. And... I was really humbled by the way our senior civil servants have this ability, even if they've not been through any formal 
mindfulness type training. In training with leaders and people in the workplace, I often suggest that they can practice noticing during the transit between meetings. This could be walking through busy city streets or even just busy corridors or workplaces. See what you can notice with those five senses. If you're outside, look up. What's the sky like? What can you see from where you are? There are sometimes views that go unnoticed. Or what's the architecture like above your horizontal field of vision where you're normally looking? Or perhaps you're just totally inside your head as you move between meetings. Like I was at the beginning of this episode when I looked in my rucksack. And finally, some really fresh examples by the wonder of Twitter. My great Twitter pal, Fiona Healy O'Neill, was at an event on Saturday the 22nd of September, the day I'm recording this, called Mindfulness in the Workplace. It was a conference run by the Bon Secours Hospital in Cork and the Catherine Macaulay School of Nursing and Midwifery, part of the University College Cork. Fiona was sharing some nuggets on Twitter during the day, and it really got me buzzing, so I thought I'd share five of her tweets here and then try and relate them to us all in the workplace. So the first tweet is, Nurses walk three to five miles on a shift. Making those moments mindful offers a valuable opportunity to develop that mindfulness muscle. Now, yeah, we all walk around the workplace, so as we do so, can we, as I've said, use our five senses, but also notice how our body's feeling, maybe just dropping the attention into our body, noticing how the muscles in our legs coordinate to move us round between meetings, or how our feet are feeling. Or, as I say, noticing the five senses. The second tweet. Simply shifting full attention to any one sense in any moment brings us back to ourselves. Hospitals are multi-sensory environments. There is always sensory input available for you to bring focus to. Doing this with awareness is mindfulness. I love that description of hospitals being a multi-sensory environment. I would suggest that most workplaces are multi-sensory environments. So maybe choose one sense and see what you can notice. Maybe just looking around your office, just choose one and, and focus on that. It's a really great way to bring, to bring focus and practice this skill of mindfulness. Then there's one tweet called the shortest mindfulness practice ever. Two feet, one breath. Focus the attention on each foot, one after the other, during one breath. Extend your out-breath as you do this. This is great ahead of tricky interactions, and that one's from Carmel Sheridan at this conference. Two more tweets to go. The fourth one I've chosen is, Healthcare practitioners go through many doorways. Think about the three Ps. The first one is pause, pause at the door. Second one is practice, practice. What are you carrying? What are you thinking, feeling? Breathe into those and then proceed. Bring mindful awareness to your patient. Now I can imagine in a healthcare setting, you might be rushing between appointments and and perhaps lose a bit of focus on the on the patient there in front of you. You might your your attention or your your mind might be in a previous interaction or a difficult event earlier in the day. So I love this three P's and I think it's something we could all use in organizations, particularly that doorway aspect. How many times do we go into a meeting where we're not focused on what's actually going on there? So it's remember it's three P's. Pause at the door. Practice. What are you carrying? What are you thinking or feeling? And then proceed, bringing mindful awareness to whatever's inside that doorway. And then finally, the, the fifth tweet I've chosen is 
A key aspect of surviving stress is developing perspective. The skill of mindfulness is really about the control of switching on and off the right kind of attention based on what's needed in a given context. And that was from a a session by Maureen Gaffney at this Mindfulness in the Workplace conference. And I mentioned a couple from Carmel Sheridan. I've looked up Carmel and she's a psychotherapist and supervisor in Galway City and the author of three books including The Mindful Nurse, Using the Power of Mindfulness and Compassion to Help You Thrive in Your Work. So I thought that was a bit different, um, just drawing upon five of Fiona's fantastic tweets just to share how we could apply them to ourselves in any workplace. So I hope you find that useful. So as ever, I'm now going to try and bring this together in a takeaway. Going back to noticing, it's a great skill to develop. Through noticing, we're not looking to create an army of happy robots. So let's look at happy first. As Susan David, psychologist and author of Emotional Agility, said at a conference recently, there is currently a tyranny of positivity. Positivity has become a new form of moral correctness. And it's that sense of that we have to be happy all the time, which sends an immensely damaging message. When we refuse to see the world as it is, we don't develop the skills to navigate it. By noticing what's around us and our inner world, we've got more of a chance of developing these skills. Of course, what we notice won't always be pleasant. But as Susan David also said, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. And let me just... Focusing on the word robot there as well. By reflecting on what has personal meaning for us, we're creating a very individual, vital and energised existence. And this is really, really good for our psychological well-being. And the evidence shows this. I'd suggest a robot is perhaps more like someone on autopilot, maybe going through their day-to-day existence or work without noticing perhaps with that sense of stuckness or helplessness, I'd suggest that's far more like a robotic person in the workplace. So yeah, we're not looking to create happy robots. We're looking to create human individuals who can live authentically and with vitality and energy in the workplace. So why not have a go? Try the five, four, three, two, one. Remember, it's five, five things you can see, four, four things you can touch or feel, Three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Or how about that doorway, the three P's? Pause, pause at the door, practice. What are you carrying? What are you thinking and feeling? Breathe into those and then proceed, bringing mindful awareness to what or who is inside the doorway. So let me just take you back to the beginning when I talked about noticing and noticing the skill of how we're showing up in the real world, and also noticing our inner world, what's our mind producing. So through practicing exercises like these, we can really enhance this skill, and maybe notice more how we're showing up in the world and whether we're moving towards what's important, and also noticing that internal world and how it's impacting, or could potentially influence our behaviour and hijack us from a route that has meaning to us. This is why These exercises are so important to allow us to practice and develop this skill. And that's about it, P-Supers. So thank you so much for listening. I forgot to say in my recap that next week I'm actually recording currently, I think, three episodes with guests. So 
once I've edited those, they'll be up and live in the coming weeks. I'd like to thank you most sincerely for listening. Love you to get in touch. You can get in touch on email at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, please follow me on the dedicated account for the podcast, peoplesouppod. And on Instagram, you can check out a range of images and photos there from me. And that's people.soup on Instagram. I'd love it if you'd rate the show on, particularly on Apple Podcasts, I think as it's now called. The more ratings I get, the more it helps me share this podcast with more and more people in the workplace. So if you find it useful, I'd love it if you dropped me a review and a comment would be even better. So thanks very much for that. Thanks as ever to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic. And once again, thanks to you all for listening. Have a great week and talk to you very soon. Cheerio for now. Five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, two, one. Boom.